Amen. Are you thankful for that tonight? That you're changed in his presence. Let's just go to him in prayer. Gracious, eternal Father, what a great honor to know, Lord, tonight that our lives have been touched by the author and the finisher of our faith. The one who formed the worlds, Lord, you're the one who formed and fashioned us, dear God. And tonight we can truly say we've been changed. Not by anything that we merited on our own abilities and human efforts, but because, Lord, we stepped into your presence and your presence changed us. Lord, we're not what we used to be. Lord, we're maybe not what we desire to be, but Father, it's you continue to work and on the behalf of the believer, Lord, to bring him into the state and the place in which you desire us to be, Father. So we thank you tonight, Lord. We just pray that you'll bless this service. We ask God that you'll just have free course in our way tonight. Lord, we just worship you in spirit and in truth. We invite you, Lord, tonight in this service to be the guest minister, Father. Lord, we're not here to look in on the efforts of a man, but we're here to look to the Son of Man. Now, may you speak boldly to us, Father, and on our ears and on our hearts, Lord, and on us just to be able to receive from the Word tonight, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to look here in Luke chapter 8 and verse 1. It's good to be back with you. We were, uh, Joseph and I went on a little, if you want to call it a little mini vacation, we met Brother Andrew Glover in Missouri and had some, uh, just a time of fellowship and enjoying each other's company and doing a little turkey hunting while we were there. It was a good time, but it's always good to be back home with God's people. Good to be back home with those that love you, and I trust tonight that, that you love me because I love you as well, and glad to be a part of this assembly, to be a part of what God is doing here at Evening Light Tabernacle. So we're going to look here tonight. And we're going to pick back up on the theme that I've been on, on God Does Impossible Math. And as we saw God move on behalf of our activity building, God doing the impossible. Amen. Brother Darrell can tell you a little bit more about the situation, but God definitely moved on behalf of that, that uh, fire marshal and changed his countenance and his disposition toward us and our church. And we found favor because we're favored by God. Amen. And everything that we say and do, I believe that we should look for the favor of God. And God is... Uh, turned his attention toward us. We look here tonight in Luke 8, and it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every, every city and village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. And a certain woman which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils. You can have your seats tonight. We're going to look here at another scripture here in just a few minutes. <clears throat> but we see here that Jesus is going out preaching the, the good news, the glad tidings of the kingdom of God, and the 12 disciples were with him, and one called Mary, whom he cast out seven devils. Now, if we would have lived in that day, the day of Mary Magdalene, we would have considered her a lost cause, a hopeless case. No doubt she would have looked at herself and said, I'm a prostitute, I'm a woman of ill fame. It's impossible for me to be delivered. You know, I looked over my life, and I'm just a useless piece of humanity to this society. I contribute nothing. But what we find is what may be impossible with man is never impossible with God. You can look upon the countenance of man, the most degraded man out there, as we find in Legion and the Maniac of Gadaria. We find these men. We would have never gave two ounces or two seconds of attention, but yet God will cross a raging sea because he sees something that you and I can't see. So we find what's impossible with man is not impossible with God. So tonight we're going to speak again on 
God does impossible math, and your past doesn't have you. Your past doesn't have you. We find here in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. I believe every believer in here tonight should rejoice on that. Old things, all the old things are passed away. That's not who I am anymore. Behold, all things have become new or or become new. And all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given us given to us the ministry of reconciliation. But we find Mary was, or Mary was from the city of Magdala, and this city was known for prostitution. So she was already marred because of the, where she was located. And anywhere she went, the stigma of prostitution, of ill fame, went with her. So no matter what, her past went with her every day that she lived. It was always followed her. But the prophet of God will tell us in the message, Unwelcome Christ. Remember, somebody introduced her to that life. Before there can be a foul woman, there has to be a foul man. That's right. Maybe some boy fell in love with her. Be careful, young girl. Some worldly boy wants to come and sweep you off your feet and tell you all these nice things about you. And he's got a motive. He's got an objective. Because he's unconverted. And he sees something in you that's a prize in his eyes. And this same young boy saw Mary before she was tainted by the relationship. And he maybe had her fall in love with him and he enticed her. And the brother Brennan would say he made her promises and he ruined her life. And he introduced her to such. And then pushed her off to one side to run off to some other woman. He said, some sweetheart introduced her to such a life, put her in his arms, and he promised her everything. Now he promised her, I'm going to love you. I'm going to be faithful if you just do this act and prove to me that you love me. Because that's a lot of times how that relationship goes. If you really love me, you would do this. If you really love me, you would kiss me, or you really love me, you would go further and go further and go. It never stops until she becomes a woman of ill fame, until she mars her testimony, until the prophet of God will say her character is ruined and he runs away to spoil another, and now she's roaming the streets making money the best way that she can. See, like the prodigal son, instead of running back to the father's house, she runs further into the country. She goes further off into sin to where now her life, her livelihood is prostitution. This one act between her and this sweetheart opened the door to a lifestyle of prostitution. Opened her up to spirits for not only one spirit that she had, but she was bound by seven evil spirits. But this same woman, we find her in John 8, in verse 3. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. Now the historians will tie Mary Magdalene to this same chapter and to this same scripture and say that Mary Magdalene is this woman here. And she was caught in the very act of adultery. And when they had sat her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now, Moses in the law, he commanded us that such should be stoned. Notice, their first instinct was to stone her. And you find many times that those that have things in their life, those that have sin in their life, they carry stones in their pockets because if they can throw stones, then it takes the attention off of their flaws and their character traits. 
But you find those that don't have any stones and they've been recipients of God's grace and God's mercy. They're not there casting stones, but they're there pronouncing uh, mercy and grace to them. There's a way. You don't have to live that way anymore. There's a God in heaven. He can save you and deliver you. But you find those that have things in their heart and things in their life. They're constantly throwing stones at those that are bound by sin just to deflect to deflect it from their self. He says, Now Moses in the law commanded us, and so shall be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and he said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone. And again, he stooped down, and he wrote on the ground, and they which heard it being convicted by their own conscience, notice, they knew that they had sin in their life. Amen. They knew that they were not perfect. Right. And if we come to this church every day, and we wake up every morning and realize we're not perfect, we need the blood. We need the blood each and every day. We need the token. We need God each and every day. We won't be picking up stones to throw at our neighbor, to throw at our brother, to throw at some other church. No, we'll be picking up grace and mercy and saying, God, have mercy on them. God, open their eyes. Let them see what we see. Let them experience what we experience. And when Jesus lifted up himself, he saw none but the woman, verse 10. And he says unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Has no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Now, I trust many of you here tonight have heard those same words. Because as much as you think you're saintly and godly and you cut your teeth on a message pew, yet you were born in sin, shaped in iniquity. You needed this same Jesus. You needed the same encounter. Neither do I condemn thee go and sin no more. Notice this encounter with Jesus began to change her life. It began her on the road to a new life. Before this meeting, she probably went to every synagogue looking for help for the cure, looking for somebody that can deliver her and cast these seven devils off of her, looking for some way of an escape to rehab her life so that she wouldn't continue the life of prostitution and bound by this and bound by that. She was longing for deliverance, but she couldn't find it until she came to the feet of Jesus. Because he's the only one, church. You're not going to find it in a man. You're not going to find it in your favorite preacher, but you'll find it in Christ. You'll find what you're looking for in Christ. And I say that to say, take your eyes off of man. Take your eyes off of humanity. Because man will fail you, but Christ will never fail you. Man will disappoint you, but the blood will never disappoint you. She stood here and where she once heard about his love, where she was told about his grace and mercy, now this Jesus, the Messiah, had extended to her his love. Now he has extended to her his grace and his mercy. Now she was a recipient. She become a recipient of life-changing power. Where she walked in his presence, a bound prostitute. She walked in, maybe bound by demons of lust and depression and suicide and this, that, and other. She walked in one way, but she walked out another way. And the difference was Jesus Christ. The difference was the encounter that she had with the one that can erase her past. 
And I trust tonight that you come to that same encounter where you met Jesus. You didn't meet a man. You didn't meet a theology. You didn't meet a doctrine. But you met the life of Christ. And that life changed who you are. We find her again in Luke 7. And I love how the scriptures, how it puts it all in past tense. Not future tense, not present tense, past tense. We find here in Luke 7 and verse 37. And behold, a woman in the city, which was, not is, she was a prostitute or a sinner. That word sinner there means prostitute. When she knew that Jesus sat at need in the Pharisee's house, she went on home. She didn't think about it anymore. She felt like, well, he's in good hands. He's eating a nice meal. He's in good company. I'm just going to go chill out at the house. No. no. When she knew that he was there, she brought an alabaster box of ointment, and she stood at his feet behind him weeping because she realized the person that she was. She realized the spirits that once held her bound. And she was weeping because now she was no longer bound by those things. And she began to wash his feet with her tears. And she did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed, him, and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Notice, here she stands, a ruined life. Here she stands. Every day she was bound by depression and oppression Fear gripped her life. She felt like she had her life had no value at all to society. Every day, thoughts of suicide raced through her mind. I might as well give up. I might as well end it because this is all I'll ever be. But God sees more in you than what you see in yourself. You wake up in the morning, you look in that mirror, and you see your flaws. You see your past. You see your mistakes. But God sees his perfection. God sees that image that he took of you before the foundation of the world. And he says, I'm going to allow this to happen and this to happen and to chip away at this and to chip away at that. To mold you to do what? To produce the negative. So that it will develop you into what he's already seen you to be. So we find here in verse 39, 739. Now when the Pharisee which had bidding him saw it, he spake within himself saying, This man, if he were a prophet would have known who and what manner of woman this is that touched him, for she's a sinner. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he said, Master, say on. He said, there was a certain creditor which had two debtors. One owed him 500 pence and the other owed him 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which one of them would love him the most? I'm afraid that we have a lot of 50, 50s in this Message. We have a lot of fifties. They don't think that he's worth worshiping. They're not in love with him enough to truly give all their worship. Then you have some in this message that are 500. And they don't care what you think about it. Because they were forgiven the most. And I trust that even like Tabernacle never, never harbors the fifties. Never let it come complacent. Right. Never let the moving of the spirit die. That's Never right. sit back on our laurels, sit on our hands, and quench the spirit. But may we open ourselves up and realize we have so much to be thankful for. He's forgiven us of so much. 
Simon answered and said, I suppose to him that forgave the most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and he said unto Simon, Seeth thou this woman? I had entered into thy house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time that I came, has not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil didst thou not anoint, but this woman has anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto her, sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he looks at her and he says to her, thy sins are forgiven. So we find the Eastern custom was the foot washing. It was an act of hospitality. And yet Simon invited Jesus into his home and he didn't even make him welcome, Brother Mike. The kiss was a token of affection and salutation. Simon invited him into his home and neglected to kiss him on his cheek. But this woman bowed herself in humility and ceased not to kiss his feet. Amen. We find that he didn't even anoint his head with oil, and yet she went and got a costly bottle of perfume. Where once she would put it on her body to make herself attractive and luring to other men, now she was pouring it out on his feet to give him the attention, give him the attraction, to anoint him so that he's the one that's received and not herself. Brother Brandon would tell us like this in washing Jesus' feet. She looked like she was out of her head. You know, we've had some church services where it looks like even the light has fallen off the rocker. You got young people up laughing in the spirit, running the aisles, and old people running, well, some of them running the aisles, and you got people shouting all over the place. You got the moving on. It looks like we're completely lost it. We're out of our heads. But Brother Bam says she was at the feet of Jesus. And when you recognize who comes to this service Wednesdays and Sundays, service after service, oh, and you realize you got an opportunity to be at his feet. You got an opportunity to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Let me tell you, you'll put your stones away and you'll come up and say, Lord, I'm here in this service. I'm going to push through in this service. I want to get to you in this service and I want to wash your feet, Lord. I want to kiss you, Lord, and make love to you in the sanctuary because you've done so much for me, Father. Notice, people may act like they're crazy, but what difference does it make as long as you're at the feet of Jesus? What do I care what they think? She was at Jesus' feet, but this Pharisee was ready to blow up. Now, here he was. He was a critic. He was beside himself because of what she was doing and how she was acting. What is this prostitute doing in my house, first of all? Why in the world does she bow down to this man who they're claiming he's the Messiah and look at her washing his feet with her tears and wiping them with her hair? How disgusting. Doesn't she know she's going to have all the filth of the world all tangled up in her hair? She didn't care, church. And until we get to that place where we don't care what the critics say, we don't care what the critics claim. They can claim what they won't notice. See, the problem today is there's so many critics, and they criticize the movement of the Spirit. They feel that we shouldn't act this way in church. Simon felt like she didn't need to act that way in his church. But she did it anyway. 
because she recognized the one that freed her from seven spirits, the one that changed her life from a life of prostitution and made a daughter of God out of her. He was up there pushed in the corner, wasn't made welcome, and she came to the service. She came to church that day to the feast, and she said, I'm here to make love to you, Lord. I'm here to make you welcome in this service on a Wednesday night when there ain't nobody there. I'm here. I came tonight to love you, God, and to make you welcome. I'm here to give you praise tonight. I'm here to worship the King of Kings. The one that I walked in one way bound and I walked out another way a free woman. Oh, hallelujah. See, we find people today, though, they want to say, well, even like Tabernacle, you shouldn't act that way. My generation didn't act like that. I got a news flash. Dead. Dead. Generation is dead. But this generation has got life. This generation is flexible. This generation can move with the movement of the Spirit of God. See, the Pharisee, he criticized a woman and he criticized Jesus. But he didn't realize that he was presented with the same opportunity to do what she was doing. He was presented. He invited him to his house. He had an opportunity, Brother Mike, to surrender his heart, to give up his clerical ideas and theology. The one that he had studied and learned about all these years was now standing face to face but he was pushed over in a corner. May we never be guilty of pushing Jesus in a corner and letting somebody else worship. Letting somebody else carry the burden to worship him and making him welcome like Simon. Let her do all the work. See, in his mind, he was too big for that. In his mind, he thought he was somebody. He was too prideful to wash Jesus' feet. He was too proper to come to an altar on a Wednesday night because he's worried about what is everybody else going to think about it. See, the difference was that this Pharisee was not married. He hasn't been bound the way that she had been bound. She was bound with seven devils. She was bound with a life of prostitution. And she was longing for deliverance. She knew that she was a vile person. And he didn't realize he was as well. See, the Pharisee didn't realize that he was worse off than her. Therefore, he criticized her for her actions. And we have been criticized and criticized and criticized for our worship. I believe it was Paul that said, the way that they call heresy, so worship I the Lord. The way that they call. Let them call it whatever they want. They're only looking in through the eyes of a camera. We're here feeling the power. In the anointing of the Holy Spirit moving through the building. If you can feel on the camera what we feel in here, you wouldn't be saying the things that you're saying because you would begin to experience the life, the power, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. But as long as you're hid behind the eyes of the camera and on the live stream, all you see is a bunch of emotion or what appears to be a bunch of emotion. And yes, it's easy to criticize. But see, maybe some of those out there that want to do the criticizing, they've not been where you and I have been. 
Some of those may not have had a death sentence pronounced on them and maybe given just a few years to live because they got stage four non-Hoskins lymphoma and have a family to look after. Oh, but when the power of God drops down in the service and that revelation strikes that heart that I don't have cancer any longer, that I've been set free, it'll take a young lady up out of her chair, out of her pew, and run around the church. Why? Because the revelation had struck. Let me tell you, you wouldn't criticize if you was in those shoes. You wouldn't criticize if you had another brain bleed or a midline shift and the doctors gave you five minutes and you experienced the healing power of Almighty God. You wouldn't criticize anymore. You worship God and thank God for what he's done. Maybe you, maybe if you had ever been delivered of that suicidal spirit that's tormenting the many of them as believers. Torment to many of our young people. And when those spirits are cast off, and as we seen the other night, daughter God began to dance and spin in the spirit of God. Because while the chains that held her bound were no longer held her anymore. The past that held her in bondage no longer had a hold anymore. Let me tell you, we have a reason to worship. We find now Jesus got his feet. And she's at his feet. He didn't pull back, the prophet of God says. He didn't pull his feet back and say, oh, don't do that. Don't cause a scene on a Wednesday night. No, he sat there and he watched her. He allowed this dirty woman of ill fame to touch him, to worship him, to make love to him. And don't think that as a negative at all. But if you was to been where she was at, you'd be offering that same kind of love tonight. You'd be offering that same kind of sacrifice of praise tonight. See, Jesus don't, he doesn't, he doesn't pull back. He doesn't do things that way. No, sir. He never pulled his foot back. He sat right still and he washed her. Notice what the prophet of God says. She was doing for him what they ought have done. She was doing for him what they ought to have done. Then he begins to say, he says, and you be careful calling somebody a holy roller who's doing what you ought to have done. Don't you think you're a little better than they are? Let me just go ahead and give the critics notice. Don't you be careful who you're calling holy rollers. Because what we're doing at Evil Light Tabernacle is what you should be doing in your church. It's what you should be doing in your home. It's what you should be doing in your experience with Jesus is to worship him. He deserves our worship. But all we do is we're throwing stones and criticizing because there ain't no life in your church. Well, invite Jesus and make him welcome and you'll see life come back to the assembly. He says that these big starchies won't worship God. God will pull out you poor people. He will get you to do it. Somebody, he will call sinners and harlots from the street to do it. Somebody is going to worship God. I raise my hand tonight, Lord. I'm that somebody. God, I don't care what the critics say. Let them say what they want to. Joe Adams is a fanatic. Absolutely a fanatic. I used to dance in the pub for, for the devil. I'll dance in the church for Jesus. I don't care what you say about me. I don't care what it looks like. I may be out of my head. I may lost my mind, but I got the mind of Jesus. I got the love of Jesus. I know what he's done for me. Brother Andrew Glover shared this quote with me on the way to church tonight. He says, Brother Joe, I think you need this. 
I said, I'll look it over. I text him back out the road. I said, I'm going to use it. He says, what we need is to get down to that grinding place down there in the valley and dig out. That means we've got to do a little bit of work on a Wednesday night. Well, maybe it ain't all full and packed out. We do a little digging tonight, can't we, Brother Aaron? Dig down a little bit and let's, let's get the cobwebs off of us tonight. And we're here to worship. See, it's where the church needs to be tonight. He says, now I can imagine they were noticing the green life beginning. You know, you say green. He said, yep. He goes, we might be green, but we got life anyhow. Amen. See, they don't think Brother Brandon was Pentecostal. They think he was some stiff-necked, starchy preacher. no. They don't know the same prophet that I know. He says, I was in a school not long ago. My son told some students that he was from Southwestern Bible School myself. And they said, well, if you can read and write, you're better off than that bunch over there. I said, well, he says, they're the greenest bunch we've ever seen. Brother Bam says, oh, brother, we might be green, but we're flexible. Oh, I don't know if even like caught that one. We might be green. But we're flexible. Anything that isn't green, when you pull a little bit, you'll break it. He says, oh, that's what's the matter today with too many people's experiences. Too dry and too stiff. We need something flexible so when the wind comes down and it can blow it and rush around and pull it around and make it grow, get life in it. I'd rather be green, a little green, and to be flexible to the Holy Ghost so I can give instead of standing and making a mournful noise. Like a funeral service. Mm, the days of miracles is past. God don't do that anymore. In my generation, we didn't act like that. I think you should just be calm and, you know, you need to have some church ordered, even like tabernacle. Okay, we got it. We're green. We're flexible. We don't quench the spirit. He said, them young trees, though, when they're flexible and give to the Spirit, and the Spirit begins to move them like a rushing wind, filling them full of God's goodness. That's the kind of life. It may be a green bunch. Oh, yes, it's a bunch that's got life in it, and anything that hasn't got life in it is dead. And if your experience is a dead tonight, you need to bury the thing, and won't you come up here, and I'll introduce you to the green life. I'll introduce you to the one that's got life in him. He's here. He comes service after service. He's here to move upon the spirit. Let me tell you, the prophet of God will say, you give me one or two young people on fire for God, it'll do more for a church than 40 revivals. Give me somebody tonight that's ready to worship. Give me somebody tonight that realized I had a past, but my past don't have me. I used to be bound, but I'm bound no more. I've been set free. I've been released from the bondage, or from the bondage of the and now I can serve God. Now I can worship God. I got a reason to praise him. I got a reason to worship him. Call me what you want to call me. He's called me son. He's called me daughter. He's called me saved. He called me filled with the Holy Ghost. He called me. And that's all that matters. He called me. I don't care what the critics say. He turns to Simon. Simon, you invited me. But you didn't make me welcome. My feet needed to be washed, but you didn't even offer. My head should have been anointed, but you didn't even offer. You wouldn't even give me a kiss to make me welcome. 
But her sins, her past, her sins that are many are now forgiven. See, Mary had a past, but her past didn't have her because she came in the presence of the one that can release her from the bondage of sin and free her from those tormenting spirits. And you tonight, you may have a past, but your past doesn't have to have you. Your past doesn't have young people. You may have done things that you hadn't been happy about. Let's put it like this. Older people, you may have done things that you're sad and it torments you day after day and you wake up every morning and the first thing that rushes to your mind is the act that you did. But I want you to know, because you got a past doesn't mean that your past has to live with you. It doesn't have to have that grip on your life anymore. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus is here. And he's here so somebody can worship him. Somebody can wash his feet. Somebody can make love to him tonight. But he's the one that can break the yoke off of your life and free you from your past. And set you on your course for a new day, a new beginning. How many of you got a past? You got a past. But you're here tonight. Because your past doesn't have you. You've done things that you're not happy about. you said things that you're not happy about. There's actions in your life that the devil tries to remind you of. But it doesn't have you. Because you're here tonight. He shows that you're here tonight. And if you're still struggling with that, oh, may this just resonate in your heart. You don't have to be bound any longer because the one to liberate, he's here tonight. He's here to loose you from your sins. He's here to loose you from your past. He's here to free you from your mistake. He's here tonight to heal, to deliver, to set free. He's here. Not Joe Adams, but the almighty God, the angel of the Lord is here tonight to do exactly what he declares. Before her salvation and her liberty, men would look at her and say, I'm not going to pay that much for her. Look at her. She has no value. She's a prostitute. Time a dozen. See, her past may have devalued her worth to man, but it didn't devalue her worth to God. Jesus took this dirty woman of ill fame, scarred with sin, Ruined her life. She was seeking true love and acceptance. And he made a daughter of God out of her. You would look at him and say, I'm not willing to pay that. Because you're looking through the eyes of man. But Jesus looks through a different set of eyes. He looks through the eyes of prophecy and says, I've already had you somewhere. I've already seen you somewhere. And he says, every prophet he ever sent, he sent it for you. Every every word inscribed on the pages of this Bible, he did it for you tonight. Every beating that he took, the cut of nine tails, the crown of thorns that was placed on his head, the excruciating headache for hours, the spit, the ridicule, the shame, the cross, the nails in his hands and his feet, the spear in his side. He thought you were worth it, therefore he took it upon himself. Notice he conquered death because you were worth it. He conquered the grave because you were worth it. He conquered hell because you were worth it. He rose on the third day because you were worth it. 
Oh, I should give us a reason tonight. Don't look at your past. Your past is in the past. Jesus Christ thought so much about you that you may not have no human value, but to God, you mean the world to him. Brother Brandon was in a museum in Tennessee, and they were doing an analysis of the human body. I know some of us think we're better than others. We put an $800 suit on an 84-cent body. And I understand some of us got more body than others, but all in all, it's 84 cents. He and Brother Bama hurried over two men over talking. So, my, man, we're not very much, are we, George? We ain't worth very much. Brother Bama couldn't hold himself. He turned around. He said, oh, boy. You may not be very much, worth very much, but your soul is worth 10 million worlds. Yeah. See, don't let the devil try to tell you you're not worth anything. Don't let the devil tell you you're not valued. He's constantly digging up your path. and say, look what you did. Look what you've done. He's the accuser of the brother, but the accuser's been cast down. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you about a Jesus who's the liberator. Jesus who can break the yoke off of your life. Jesus who can turn a dirty, sinful person into a saintly son and daughter of God. See, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. New desires. Old things are passed away, and all things have become new. Everybody that ever has been free from the devil by the power of Jesus knows where they're standing. No one can ever come in his divine presence and ever be the same person anymore. He says, you're changed. And if you're not changed tonight... It's because you've not allowed yourself to come in that presence. You sit back and you fold your arms while everybody else is washing feet. Everybody else is kissing. Everybody else is anointing. Everybody else is worshiping. And you sit back there unconcerned. All right, Simon. Criticized. Got your stones out ready to chunk them at somebody. Well, look what they just did. They was on that website last week. That was last week's news. You don't know what happened between this week and last week. You don't know that encounter when she met Jesus. You don't know that encounter where they really surrendered all to God and said, God, I'm not going to go to that website anymore. I'm giving you my heart. It may not happen in front of all the world on a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning. It could have been on a Tuesday night. It could have been on a Friday night. It could have been a Thursday morning. How do we know? We don't know. But I'm here to tell you. He comes where he's invited. See, she had seven devils cast out of her pride, envy. She thought she was so pretty, and there was no one like her. I'm afraid we got some of that in the message as well. We got some young ladies today that want to dress down. You know what? You can't determine, you can't differentiate them from a worldly lady or a worldly girl. I ain't going to say lady because a lady's going to dress herself in godly apparel and conduct herself in the right manner. But we got those around the message. Just because you claim that you believe God's in a prophet doesn't make you a believer. Let me go ahead and put you on notice tonight. But we find she thought she was better. She thought she was somebody. But when Jesus spoke to her and said, be thou clean, all of that left 
all of the desires that she used to have to put on the makeup, it began to leave her. She no longer had that desire anymore. She no longer cut her hair anymore and dressed in a provocative way to draw the attention of man to her. She no longer was concerned about attracting the attention of man. Now she was concerned about attracting the attention of Almighty God. What will it take? How does he want me to dress? How does he want me to look? How does he want me to act? How do I know how he wants me to be? Oh, my. She was now free in the things that she used to do, the lifestyle that she used to desire. She doesn't do them anymore. She doesn't desire them anymore. When she goes to this party, notice now, as I continue to go on, give me just a few more minutes. It's getting late. She's had a lot of wrestling match going on in her mind. She knows there's a party. She knows that Jesus is in attendance. And she knows he's pushed to the corner. Nobody is worshiping him. Nobody is acknowledging him. It's getting late. It's about the evening time. See, she's late. The party's already started. But it's better late than never. You waited a long time, but it's better to come. And some of you tonight, even here at Even Light Tabernacle, you waited alone. There's a pull in your heart to serve God. There's a pull in your heart to surrender all. But there's something hanging on you called your past that doesn't want to release you into that power, into that presence. So you waited a long time. She waited a long time. The prophet of God would say, don't you stay where you are. A long time. You've been wanting to really be a Christian. You waited a long time. It's getting pretty, pretty late. He says now, but go anyhow. Let this time, let this morning be the morning. I'm going all the way with Christ. I got to get there. I say, let Wednesday night. On a Wednesday night, let this be your night. Let this be your time that you come and you surrender all and worship the almighty God. It's time we stop pulling back when the Spirit of God begins to fall and come down. But the devil's there to say, you know what? Hey, stay in your seat. Stay right there. We don't want them to know you got something in your life. Oh, you'll be embarrassed. You don't need to tell that preacher what you've been doing. He'll tell everybody. But you desire to be free. Mary Magdalene desired since that first instance with that young boy. To find freedom. To clean her life back up. She was raised in a Christian home. Her brother was Lazarus. And her sister was Martha. She knew about the power of God. They knew about the Messiah. He's coming. Even like he's here. We're not waiting on his coming. He's here. He's been here. You waited a long time. You desire to be free. You want to be a real Christian. Let me declare, he's here. He's here tonight to free you from your past. He's here to give you a new future. He's here to deliver you. He's here to heal you. He's here to break the yoke of bondage off of your life. Isaiah 10 and verse 27 says, It shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off the shoulder. Whose burden? The enemy's burden. He's going to be taken off the shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck. And the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. And if you still got the yoke of sin on you, let me tell you, the anointing is here service after service. 
But you got to bring that yoke up to the altar. You got to bring your life subject to the word and say, I'm tired of living this way. I want to serve God, Brother Joe. I want to surrender everything. And it'll change your life from this day forward. And you won't desire the things that you used to desire. Something inside of her was telling her to go in. She wanted to do Jesus a service. But like many of us, well, what are they going to think? What are they going to think? I mean, my goodness, my dad's a deacon. Or my husband's a deacon. Or my, my wife is this. Or we, you know, we start setting ourselves up on pedestals. Thinking nobody is in here is a sinner. But there's three kind of believers in every service. See, the thing was, Brother Bam would say, was not how she was going to get there, but was she going to make the effort to get there? Some of you came on a Wednesday night tonight, but are you going to get there? Are you going to get there? Are you going to get to his feet? You made the effort. You're in the place, but are you going to get there where you can worship him? Brother Bam said, I can see her elbowing her way down through the crowd. No matter what they said, she was on her road to meet Jesus. Do you do that? No matter what they say. No, Brother Joe, I quench the spirit. Some of us have felt the spirit of God move right across our pew. We all, not all, but some of us, and we sit there because we don't want to allow ourselves to be freed to it. Because we may speak in tongues. We may jump up and dance. Or we may do something else. We don't know. There's times that I felt the Spirit of God move and I sit there because I'm on the platform. Then it moves somewhere else because somebody's going to speak in tongues when it declares to be spoken. Somebody's going to dance in the Spirit when it's there to be danced with. Somebody's going to give a shout when the Spirit moves. So we find here, are we going to elbow our way through all the differences of the world? Can we elbow our way through the vulgarity, all the picture shows? Now we find that our young people are tied to to social entertainment. I started telling my kids, I'll tell you what, for every minute you have on social media or on your iPad or your iPhone, I want that much time in the Word. Either you listen to a tape or you read your Bible. You put an hour in over here, you put an hour in over here, you give God equal. Amen. Oh, it'll change their habits. It'll change. They realize, oh, I'm consuming a whole lot of social media. I'm consuming a whole lot of screen time. And I ain't giving God a whole lot of nothing. But when you draw the line right there and say, you give God the same amount you give this, you'll find they'll start having a real experience and begin to push away some of the things that are attracting their attention. See, she was going to get there regardless of how vowed she was. Brother Bam would say, I know it was out of order. God help us to get out of order once in a while. The trouble of it is you got too much order. Get out of order. I hope the church gets out of order long enough to get saved. Now, he's telling this to a Pentecostal group. Too much order in Pentecost. Oh, my goodness. Don't come to the message. Man, we sold church order down. It ain't funny. We sing three songs at the beginning of a service, two songs at the end, and we're dismissed and we're done. We don't give the Spirit of God time to do nothing. If it can't happen when the preacher's preaching, so what? Get you next time. I've been to services. You, man, you preach the house down, the song leader comes up, sings a couple of songs, and just kills the anointing. Now, if I could sing, I wouldn't let that man have the mic. 
buddy, you can stay over there. I ain't, you ain't getting it back. You kill the service. I don't work too hard for this. <laughs> but you're fine because we're so on church order, so traditional, so bound to, well, this is the way it always done. And by the way, Brother Joe, you've been longer than 45 minutes. You need to hurry up and shut down. Well, I'm sorry, critic. I'm not bound by your time element. I'm listening and I'm leaning on the everlasting arm. I'm feeling the pulsation of the spirit. And I'm going to tell you, I don't have a past anymore. And that past don't hold me. Your denominational ideas can't hold me. I can't be held by broken chains. I've been loosed by the liberator. I've been set free. And I'm here to worship God. And I don't care about your time. I don't care about your church order. When God comes down and anoints the service, that's what I'm looking for. That's how I say amen to the word. It pleased God so much to come by our way. See, Jesus has a reputation. His reputation has been made in the presence of sinners. There never was a blind man that ever entered into his presence but didn't walk away seeing with his side. There never was a crippled man that ever came in his presence but what didn't leave dancing and rejoicing. Never was a sinner that truly wanted to serve God that ever came into his presence but walked out a son and daughter of God with no past. No past. And he's inviting you tonight to come in that presence. He's inviting evening like tabernacle tonight to come in his presence. Let me ask you tonight. I know some of us probably don't really care about our president. Oh, Sleepy Joe. He can't talk, poor fella. But if he gave you an invitation to the, one of his son's wedding supper, man, we'd think we're the main cock-a-doodle-doo around here. Stick our head, chest out. Think we somebody, Brother Mike. President Joe Biden gave me an invitation to his son's wedding supper. Man, we wouldn't just keep that to ourselves. We'll put that on KSLB or whatever news station, Channel 3, this channel, Fox News. I've been invited to Joe Biden's house. Ha ha. You didn't get nothing. Timmy, maybe next time he'll think about you, buddy. But for me, I got the invitation. Look at it. Oh, Joe, Brother Philip. Invited me. Yeah, you didn't get one. That's how we act. A president invited me to his house. We would think we're the big stuff. We have arrived. You would go just to see what would happen. You may not agree with his political views. God, I hope you don't. But nevertheless, you would go because you was invited. But I'm going to tell you tonight. This ain't Joe Biden giving you an invitation. This is Jesus Christ. And he's not just giving you an invitation, but he's giving you an invitation to the wedding supper. He's giving you an invitation. It's an eternal invitation. You ain't got to worry about coming home. You're going to go and you're going to rejoice and you're going to worship God and you never have to leave his presence. What an invitation. What an opportunity. And it takes place right now when you get before the feet of Jesus and begin to worship him. Oh, hallelujah. Well, we'll be thinking, why did Joe, why did he send me an invitation? Look at me, I'm quirky. I got Joe-isms. I'm losing my hair. I'm nobody. We always worry about the why. Don't worry. He chose you. 
He chose you. Brother William, he chose you because he knew exactly what laid on the inside of him. I used to wrestle. Well, God, why did you call me to the ministry? Look at me. Sometimes I stumble over my words. I spit worse than Jewel Forney. Get so excited I can't keep my train of thought. I'm all over the place. I'm running like a bandy rooster. Nobody else does that when they're preaching. I tried to teach failure. No gift there. Somebody said true. God forgive them, but they're being honest. I tried, I tried to teach one time, sat down, I was going to do a Bible study on the Holy Ghost. I preached the whole time sitting down. I want to do everything I could to stand up. So I shucked that thing. I said, next time we're going to be standing up, we're preaching the Holy Ghost. We ain't teaching it. And you start, we start realizing there's things in other people's lives that we want and we aspire to. You know, I look at Brother John Andes and I love his optimism. I love his attitude. I don't have that. Then we start degrading our own value because we're not like somebody else. God, why'd you choose me? Because God had you before the foundation of the world. That's why God chose you. Because you was a thought in the mind of God. That's why God chose you. But about will say, and this morning the Holy Spirit through the word is bringing you the good news from before the foundation of the world. God wrote your name on the Lamb's book of life. Oh, why do you care? He wrote it there. That's all that should matter to us. God, you chose me. You must have saw something inside of me that I didn't see in myself. But God, I thank you tonight that you chose me before the foundation. You knew I would do this. You knew I would have a past. But nevertheless, you look beyond my past and you look to my future and you called me by name and you called me son and you called me daughter and you called me forgiven and you called me saved and you called me filled with the Holy Ghost. God, you called me for this moment. You called me for such a time as this. You're not a Christian by your own desire. No, you're a Christian by God's desire. No man can come except the Father draws. See, you was elected by God before the foundation of the world. Christian, you try. You try to go off into sin. But God had already wrote your name down. He says, I'm going to get them. I'm going to get them. There's going to come a time, 12 years old, I got a predestinated service for a Christian, Peter Soli. Oh, and I'm going to tell you, when he walks into that prayer line, he's going to see the reality of God. Not mama's reality, but his reality. What some of y'all may not know is on that Wednesday night that Brother Andrew spoke after Oklahoma Youth Camp. I pulled a little Christian aside in this room over here, and he said, well, Brother Joseph, how do I know God's real? I said, Christian, don't you want to serve the Lord? Hope you don't mind this. I said, don't you want to serve the Lord? He said, yeah. But I feel the pull of the world. How do I know God's real? I said, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what tonight. If God comes in this service tonight and he vindicates himself and there's a powerful moving of the spirit, I said, you walk up to that prayer line. I'm going to meet you there and I'm going to pray with you. And you're going to see the reality of a living God. Let me tell you, church, God didn't disappoint that night. God came and moved on the scene. And not only did he move on the scene in the supernatural, but he moved on the scene in a little heart. Christian wrote me a text the other day. He said, Brother Joe, I'm working on my first sermon. What do you think? I said, buddy, you're on the right road. Just keep loving God. Keep falling in love with him. 
Let me tell you, when you step into that presence, it's life-changing. Oh, you say, well, he's only 12 years old. He don't have much of a past. He may have more of a past than you think. But what I'm here to tell you tonight, it's in the sea of God's forgetfulness. God don't even remember your past anymore. We keep bringing it up. The devil keeps bringing it up. But to God, you ain't got a past. You got nothing but a future. You got nothing but today. You got nothing but tomorrow. Give God your all. Give God everything. Worship God in the spirit of holiness and righteousness and truth. Give God that. He'll take your past away. Your past don't have to hold you bound. Your past don't have to hold you. The Christian has not one worry in the world. I'm going to say that again. The Christian. How many of you are Christian tonight? How many has got a past? The Christian doesn't have one worry in the world. Not one. Not one. Not one worry in the world. They should be the most freest, happiest people in all the world. Because there's nothing you can't lose. Did you hear that young person? The devil's constantly reminding you of your failures. Because you know what? Some of you are in an awkward stage. You're trying to find yourself. You're trying to explore. You're looking at things that you shouldn't be looking at, doing things you shouldn't be doing. And the devil's there to just ridicule, 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 and condemn, 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 and accuse, accuse, accuse. But the prophet of God would say, you can't lose. That puts a whole nother twist on getting up every day and saying, God, I'm here to serve you. Because I can't lose. No matter what I face today, no matter what I did yesterday, I can't lose today. The prophet of God would say, you know what? He goes, I, if you know positionally who you was and what you are tonight, there wouldn't be one feeble person in the next five minutes. Right now, we are the sons of God. Well, I don't feel like it. I don't care how you feel. It ain't based on your feelings. Your feelings are lie to you. But right now, I'm here to tell you, you are a son and daughter of God. But you got to go confessing that you've been in that presence. That you've been there in the supreme authority that Jesus has given to every believer. Anything that you have a desire of tonight. Because you know your position. Well, Brother Joe, I did this. But you know your position. You know the one that called you. And if he called you, he elected you. (coughs) And if he elected you, he's anointed you. The prophet of God will say, when he anointed you, he positionally placed you in the body. And there ain't enough devils in hell can take that place. So I don't care what your past is. Your past has no bearing on your future. Mary, you may have a past tonight, but your past doesn't have you. Once the musicians come. See, it doesn't make any difference what your past has been. When you get an invitation to come, come. When you get an invitation to serve and to worship and to humble yourself, he says, come. You ready to come? If you've been bad, if you've been a street walker, if if you've been a gambler, if you've been a drunkard, if you've been a murderer, no matter what you've been, if God gives you an invitation and he's knocking on your heart's door, 
He'll take care of the rest of it. Don't worry and say, well, I'm just a lukewarm church member. He'll take care of that too. See, if you'll just heed the invitation, whosoever will, let them come and drink of the waters of life freely. We all have a past. And tonight, you can make that step in the right direction and say, I'm not going to let my past define who I am this time forward. I'm going to give God my all. I'm going to worship God. I want you to bow your heads tonight. You're here tonight like many of us. <laughs> the devil's accused you and he's constantly reminded you of your failures. Constantly reminded you of your mistakes, actions that you've done. You wake up every morning and you feel condemned. You go to bed every night and you ask yourself, there's no use. Why do I even try? Mary woke up every morning bound by devils. Living of life, a prostitution. One man after the other, after the other, after the other. Until she finally came into the presence of the one that can break the yoke. Church, he's here tonight. I don't know what your past has been. And it really doesn't matter, but I know there's one here tonight who can break that yoke. You know, there's things that Brother Joe's done in his past. Years ago as a young teenage boy, things that I'm not proud of, things that I never expressed to no one because it's not worthy to be expressed. But I don't let that hinder me from worshiping God. And I say that to tell you tonight, we all have had a past. We've all had made our failures and stumbled and come short of the glory of God. But he sought thought so much to come by even like tabernacle on Wednesday night to tell you I still do impossible things it may not look like you can find the victory in your life but I'm here tonight to tell you I'm the one that can bring the liberty I'm the one that can release you from your prison cell I'm the one that can change you I'm the one that can take your past and drop it in the sea of forgetfulness and I'll never remember it again see when we look at our past and we ask God, God, what about my past? What about the things I've done? What about the thoughts I've had? God looks at you and he says, what past? He says, when I think about your past, little bride, when I think about your past, I think about that image I took before the foundation of the world. I think about you being perfect. I think about you being sinless. I think about you being the virtuous son and daughter of God. That's the only past he thinks about. So you may have a past tonight, but your past doesn't have to have you. Father, we just commit this time to you now, Lord. We thank you for the moving of the Spirit, Lord. We thank you for your words of liberation as you would come and just speak to our hearts. And Lord, if I have labored and studied and prayed and asked you to move in such a way that would bring glory to your name, I'm asking tonight, Lord, that these words, they would fall on fertile ground, Father. You know each of us. We've had our struggles, Lord. Lord, we're human, and this life is full of disappointments, Lord, and this body's unconverted, and our actions sometimes, Lord, speak of that unconversion. But God, we're so thankful tonight we have a Savior. We're thankful tonight, Lord, we have a Redeemer. We have one that can release us 
and break the yoke of sin and unbelief and whatever it may be from off our hearts and our lives. Lord, as you took Mary from a city of prostitution, he brought her into the presence of Jesus, not once, but multiple times. And Lord, you completely eradicated sin from her life. And she began to serve you and follow you and to worship you, Lord. And I heard a preacher say one time that Mary is a type of this bride. She's coming to his presence, bound by sin and bound by unbelief, bound by the changes of past mistakes and failures. But she didn't stay bound. She was freed. And when she was freed, she began to worship the Savior. And she was found faithful. She was Lord, she was on attention at the tomb that day, God. She was ready because you'd done so much for her. Father, may we, as your church, as your people tonight, Lord, never be guilty of pushing you in a corner because of our past. We ask the Lord tonight that these words will just touch every heart and every life. Those on the stream, Lord, may they too just feel the same anointing that's here tonight, Lord. It's an anointing of freedom. We don't have to be bound any longer. We don't have to listen to the accuser. Not when the Jesus, the Lamb of God, is present. And he's the Lamb that takes away the sin of the world. And we're so thankful tonight, Father, that you've taken away our sins. We just commit this service to you now, Lord. May you just, just remain, Father, and let your spirit just begin to move over us, Lord, as we just offer up our worship to you. As we turn this service into an atmosphere of worship, let your spirit just begin to move, Lord. Begin to settle on every heart. Begin to break that yoke of bondage, Father. We ask it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm worshiping you. I long for 
Worship me. 